If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Here we are once again. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla. We're here with Layla Mutin, who is our nutritionist in residence. Hi, Layla. How are you? Okay, Dr. Hoffman. How are you? So the way to get questions to us is via radio program at AOL.com. Just email your questions to radio program at AOL.com. we got quite a few great questions yeah. this week to answer. So thank yeah. you for your questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're what make uh, this Q&A with Layla a lively forum. And uh, I'm just uh, back from a trip to uh, Dominican Republic oh. where I did some diving. Uh-huh. Uh, I've sporadically... Scuba diving. Scuba diving, yeah. Uh, Terrific. I've sporadically been diving uh, since I was certified back in 1991, way back when. Uh-huh. And uh, there I was diving in murky waters off of uh, Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, the water is crystal clear. You can be yeah. at the surface, and you can see fifty feet down. Wow! And uh, there's all kinds of beautiful uh, fish and amazing coral down there. Did you find uh, any treasure? Yes. As a matter of fact, <laughs> there was a there was a wreck of a uh, uh, an old ship down there with like rusty cannon. Wow! Uh, it had been found before. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, there was. It was kind of weird. It's now a museum underwater. It is, exactly. There's a commemorative plaque down there. And uh-huh. you, and so it's kind of Really? Weird. You go down like 50 feet and you read this plaque you know, uh-huh. that says, this is the wreck of the so-and-so that foundered in 1758 during a hurricane mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> no treasure. I think the treasures, they already got to the treasure. They got it. Yeah. They got the but loot. There's some rusty cannons, some mm-hmm. cannonballs and some, you know. You can the, carry those if you want. Pieces but... of metal, rusty pieces of metal down there. But it's, you know, it's, uh-huh. it's fun. Makes you feel like uh, an adventurer. Wow. Wow. So that was good. Terrific. Sounds like a wonderful trip. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. seven dives in three days, so I managed wow. to get down there quite a lot. You yeah. could have filmed The Deep. Remember I, the well, movie The Deep? <laughs> I, you know, actually, one of the divers who was with me, uh, part of our party of people who were down there, mm-hmm. is a, uh, a professional underwater photographer. Uh, oh. He had a camera and a housing plus a GoPro, so maybe we'll post some of the videos that he took and some of the pictures that he took because he's going to come back and edit them and terrific uh, maybe we'll do a little slideshow for our listeners oh my gosh that's fun put it up on facebook or we'll put it on our website yeah it'll be fun that's terrific you know, wow me posing underwater with my mask and scuba uh-huh. gear on 
Uh, so anyway, so what I wanted to mm-hmm. just, before we get to questions, I just wanted to start with uh, something that I talked about in our newsletter this week. Subscribe to our newsletter at drhoffman.com. Mm-hmm. Just click on, you know, give, them a, give us your email. Uh, we won't bug you with a lot of product promotions, but uh, we will send you useful information. And this topic this week is censorship. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now we're seeing the beginning of the era of censorship mm-hmm. in on Facebook and Twitter. And what they're doing is, uh, from their standpoint, they're doing the responsible thing. They're like uh, eliminating voices that are very strident and calling for violence and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, where does it end? And the concern is now with the vaccine controversy, Ah, um, it's got them really up in arms because there's supposedly erroneous vaccine information out there is threatening public health. It's a public health emergency. We need to take down the bad information about vaccines so that people are not discouraged from taking vaccines and on and on it goes. But it, yeah. it gets worse because um, the there was an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association and it was entitled Counteracting Health Misinformation, A Role for Medical Journals. And uh, this is concerning uh, because they write, and I'm quoting, the growing toll of popular fallacies about health and illness is evident given outbreaks of measles and other preventable communicable diseases in many nations. Uh, and they're saying that um, complementary and alternative medical approaches without firm evidentiary bases have coexisted uncomfortably with mainstream scientific medicine for decades, and they persist. Now, the notion is like, they persist like what, like some disease that we need to eradicate and mm-hmm. we, we have to stomp them out. Right. So the, the authors of this manifesto uh, suggest uh, that uh, we uh, undertake uh, censorship, that we uh, make an effort to uh, uh, combat misinformation. Here's what they say. And here are some of the dangerous ideas the alleged scammers are pitching. And I'm quoting. Mm-hmm. Torrents of misinformation on topics as varied as the safety and effectiveness of vaccinations, the Zika virus outbreak. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, maybe they're talking about like phony remedies for Zika, you know, mm. like uh, drink Clorox for your Zika or something like, you know, oh, crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Water fluoridation, as if that was, there was no controversy about that. There's tons uh, of controversy. Genetically modified about that. foods. There's so much misinformation about that, right? Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. You know, there's legitimate controversy about genetically modified yes. foods. Mm hmm. But they're saying we so need much so that it's it's not done anywhere near as much in Europe as it is here. And here's what really yeah. gets me: these scammers are pitching torrents of misinformation on topics as varied as etc. 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 and treatments for common diseases. Wow. You know, perish the thought that there should be quote misinformation about treatments for common diseases, mm-hmm. i.e., alternative strategies for dealing with things, so that. You know, you don't have to take drugs or you undertake uh, surgery. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, what you're reading right here is disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they're, they're interestingly, hmm. if this is what they're very interested where they write. They write, negative attitudes about science appear to have risen in lockstep with ultra-nationalist sentiments and the emergence of populist leaders and movements. <laughs> Let's blame Trump. <laughs> yes. And that was my... That was, that, You've got to be kidding me. That was they yeah. wrote that. So so I wrote this. Uh, I said, really, what has undermined people's trust in government hmm. is its persistent inaction in relation to dangerous environmental pollutants and harmful food additives. Mm-hmm. Its permissive regulation of drugs and devices with ultimately devastating side effects. Yes. Its condoning of aggressive marketing of opiates. Mm-hmm. Its wasteful and inefficient administration of government health programs like Medicaid and the VA. 
Yep. And it's dogged adherence to anachronistic diet recommendations that have fostered obesity and disease. Yep. So, this it, is it a wonder that people uh, don't trust government and yeah. are becoming populist? Uh huh. Right. You know, they associate this with oh, what's the matter? You know, you don't trust government anymore. Mm. I mean, we say that vaccines are good, like, and people have mistrust. Oh, we've got to suppress these voices that are they're fomenting the mistrust. The government has undermined <laughs> the trust in itself yes. by so many unforced errors. You right. know, in baseball, we call these unforced errors. You uh-huh. know, it's like, you know, the ball comes to you, you should have caught it, and you throw it away. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is terrible what's going on if this is what they're considering. Uh, it's it's like the, the same way that they tried to control television. Well, they do to a degree. Now they're trying to control social media and all the rest. But... Uh, unfortunately, well, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. I mean, it's it, a very slippery there slope. Was a, there and was, there did, was did you see? Code, yeah, there was a code in movies. I'm sorry, where they actually made it so that every criminal had to get caught, every movie had to have a, a happy ending, right? You know, and that there right. was no, I mean, two uh, like uh, two unmarried people mm-hmm. had to sleep in separate beds, mm-hmm. you know, in in a in a movie to so as not to offend the moral sensibilities, you know, etc. Right, right. But this uh, burgeoning censorship, and it's been happening, and it's happening more, unfortunately. I just re- watched the movie 1984 again a few months ago. Oh, okay. With John Hurt. Yes. And the role that he plays in his job of taking the journalism and changing it, censoring He's it. He's a journalist. To, exactly. Yeah. Censoring it to what the message we want to put out once again. Right. I'm like, right. oh, yeah, that sounds like, let's see, Google, Facebook. Right. Even YouTube now and anybody else, it, they're trying to shut down right. anything that they and, deem. So, and let's put aside yeah. the realm of politics for yes. a moment because that's you know yes. really highly controversial. Uh, it in the realm of that all our listeners care about. You know whether you're on the left wing or whether you're on your right yeah. wing. You know I could I could see we comprise an audience of people who uh, mistrust government and they're you know more shall we say. Uh, towards laissez-faire or mm-hmm. towards um, uh, 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 <clears throat> kind of a um, uh, libertarianism mm-hmm. or people who are sort of have a green agenda, you know, because they want to save the planet from devastation and they want to reduce environmental pollution. I have a lot of sympathy for that agenda. Yeah. Uh, from the standpoint of health reporting, there is, we've already, the nose is under, the camel's nose is under the tent for censorship yes. of health information. And, yeah. you know, I agree there's a vaccine crisis, and I think it's terrible. Uh, but it is. Uh, is this now going to be the pretext for rolling up any kind of controversial information, you know, about health? You know, even our information. I'm afraid now when I put out information that it'd be like, you know, some censors on Google, Facebook, Twitter are mm-hmm. going to say, hmm, I don't know, is that really truthful? Is this guy, you know, this guy's not affiliated with... Uh, Johns Hopkins uh, mm-hmm. Medical School, who is he to say, you know? Uh, right, right. And especially in the field of science, of health, of medicine, where, gosh, if you need critical thinking anywhere, it's here. Mm-hmm. It's here. And to censor that and to say that, you know, your thought is incorrect if you're an anti-vaxxer or something. I'm not for anti-vaxxers. I'm not against them either. I'm all for the conversation. Right. Let's figure it out. Right. And, you know, we're using terms like denialism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in science... Like uh, climate denier. 
No, we're not denying anything. We're show us science. Yeah, us. and we're you know we want Let's to look at it with a have critical a nuanced eye. conversation about all yeah. these issues, and we're open minded. And and you know the, the biggest problem is when you lock and load on a paradigm, and you have no uh, critical evaluation of it. Anyway, you know yeah. I we can go on and on about this, but beware, folks, because unless you are vigilant, our rights to Unfiltered information will be taken away from us. Yeah, that's frightening to me. I, I I would encourage anyone to rent the movie 1984 and just watch it and go, ooh, that's what we could be in about 20, 30 years' time or something, yeah. not less. See, you know. I, I was waited with bated breath until 1984, and I said, we made it. Yeah, I mean, we made okay, it through 1984. Okay. <laughs> but but I, little did I know that you know, yeah. it, it, it didn't give us a pass. Right, know. right. Oh my gosh! Because I, when I was a kid, it was like, "Oh wow, 1984. That's so far off." They got to retitle it 2024 or right. something. There we go. 2034. Yeah. God forbid. All right, let's get to questions. Let's get to questions. All right, we have an email from Bob. Hi, Doctor Hoffman. You mentioned the shingles vaccine on your show a while back, and I'm wondering if the vaccine is made from aborted fetal tissue. No one ever mentions that, and I think a lot of people would be shocked to know that it might be. At least I know the chickenpox vaccine is made from aborted fetal tissue. Okay, so let, let's yeah. look, let's look at first of all this notion that vaccines are made from aborted mm-hmm. fetal tissue. Now there's mm-hmm. there's a kernel of truth to that, but it's not like they you know take baby parts, grind them up, and then you know somehow process them into vaccines. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely not the case. However, uh, one of the methods for culturing viruses. Mm-hmm. is to take cell lines mm-hmm. that may be, you know, dozens of or scores of years old that are based on aborted fetal tissue that in 1968 was, they created a cell line from it. I see. That is an immortal cell line. It can, it can actually keep perpetuating and it is used to be a culture medium for viruses. Viruses attack human cells. Mm-hmm. So in order to culture viruses, you can't just put them in a bo- in a jar of a sh- a petri dish with sugar, yeah. you know, like bacteria. They they actually depend on living on human cells or bacterial cells yeah. in some cases. So that's how you actually get the viruses to survive, so that you can uh, process the viruses into a vaccine. Now some uh, vaccines contain what are called attenuated viruses. In mm-hmm. other words, you don't want to put a live virus because you just make a person sick. You put you a weakened ta- virus in. You there. want to take the virulence out of the virus, but you want it to create an immune reaction yeah. uh, so that the body defends itself against the real virus. Yes. Okay. But the Shingrix is actually different than that. And uh-huh. I can't vouch for the fact that there's never ever been any uh, part in its manufacture that doesn't partake of these cell lines. But what it actually consists of is a single uh, protein. So it's very clean it's not the whole virus. It's just a specific viral protein. Uh, and it is, you know, basically bioengineered. I don't know how they cook them up in vats, this mm-hmm. protein. Uh, they may use um, some kind of organism, like in many cases they use yeast to make synthetic proteins. Okay. Um, so it is, in a sense, a GMO, mm-hmm. genetically modified uh, technology. Uh, but um, they they say that um, 
the protection is much greater with the Shingrix and the side effects are less. It does contain adjuvants. Adjuvants are designed to amp up the immune response, so theoretically that could uh, yes. trigger an autoimmune reaction. They're, they're meant to irritate the immune yeah. system to wake it up so right. that it takes on right. this vaccine. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's 90% effective. I think it's better. It's much improved over the other one, which is uh, called the Zostavax. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, and I'm reading an article here, Shingrix is different from most other vaccines. Most vaccines are made from a weakened form of the virus, but Shingrix is made from just a single protein known as glycoprotein E that comes from the outer shell of the herpes zoster virus. Okay. So I don't know how they isolate that protein, but I think that maybe they've figured out a way to get it to be synthesized by yeast by some kind of recombinant technology that they insert the gene for that protein mm-hmm. synthesis into the virus, and then the, the yeast becomes a a factory for making the vaccine. Mm. That's how a lot of things are made. So this all does depend on a cell line or at least some kind of human it, cells. I'm not, I'm not sure that this does. Maybe the, yeah. the initial um, isolation of this protein yeah. comes from a cell line. Mm-hmm. But you, it, it's, it, I mean, if you want to get down to it, yes, it may at some yeah. remote part in the manufacturer involve fetal parts. Right, uh, right. But it's certainly not present in the vaccine. Mm-hmm. There's not a vestige of anything in, in I don't think, in, in any vaccine. vaccine. In any vaccine, yeah. right, 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 right. It's just derived from, yeah. you know, these cells that were once mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. grown from fetal tissue. Wow. Okay. All right. Bob, thank you for that question. Let's see here. And, that, got, and by the way, this yeah. is going to become a this is going to become an, an issue uh, because now as vaccine refuseniks are now going to be really under a lot of pressure to prove that you know when they want a religious exemption they're going to say, what about your religion prohibits you getting a vaccine? And some people will say my religion doesn't allow abortion. Ah. Okay. But then they could say, well, yes, you're right, fine, but this vaccine has nothing to do with abortion. And you could say, well, yes, it does because the vaccine was you know originally. It's, it, this could be a very... Uh, what if that vaccine was derived from miscarriage, not yeah, abortion? R- okay. I mean, uh, I don't think that they were so vetting the vaccine yeah. to, to separate that out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think that they're going to really push back on those arguments yeah. now. Because yeah. they really want everybody to lockstep on vaccines. Um, yeah. We have an email from Russ. Hi, my name is Russ. Hi, Russ. I read your blog on treating GERD. One of the things you recommend is probiotics. I was taking high-dose probiotics for three years to address various gut issues, including histamine and constipation. In November, I exceeded my normal dosage of probiotics and it triggered major reflux and gastritis, and I'm still dealing with it after five months. It's hard to know if the probiotics really were the cause. It's uncommonly the cause of reflux and gastritis. Um, he may have just had an exacerbation of reflux and gastritis, coincidentally. But let's right, let's assume right. that that's a possibility because there is some evidence that if you mm-hmm. have too much bacterial proliferation, you'll get SIBO. Right. Which because he also says, right, by removing probiotics, my lower gut problems have returned in full force. Mm-hmm. I've tried reintroducing different probiotics, and now I can't tolerate any of them. What happened to me? He could have developed SIBO. Yeah. And from 
so many probiotics possibly. He needs some SIBO testing. Yeah. To see what's going on there. Yeah. The so thing- that would be he should do the breath test mm-hmm. and see what's going on. Right, right. Some practitioner practitioners I know swear by certain probiotics for SIBO to start right away right. without eradicating the SIBO first. Great, we we're for what works, but yeah. in our experience, or at least mm-hmm. in my experience, it was about the eradication first. Right, well, and then replacement. And then replacement, re-inoculation right. with probiotics. What is the four R's, the way they say it's like? Um, uh, uh, I want to say eliminate, but that's well, not... I know, re-inoculate it, is one, but that's re-inoculate, later. It's repair, repair uh, restore. Restore. Oh, what's the first? What's the first one? Re- all right, repair, restore... It's the four. R, it's the four R's. I've actually written about this years ago. I know. <laughs> the GI pillars of I'm, health. I'm sorry to, to from the standard, spot. right? To repair, uh, re-inoculate, restore, and yeah. So, but you don't want to when you do it out of step. Then mm-hmm. you can. Uh, then you can cause, exacerbate the problem. Yeah. Exactly. So. So. But it is definitely one of the, uh, it's definitely the four pillars remove, of GI. Remove, replace, re-inoculate. So we actually, we remove, want to replace, we want to remove, you know, we want, when you have an overgrowth, we want to get rid of the bad stuff. Yes. Then we want to replace, right. and we re-inoculate, and then we repair, you mm-hmm. know, repair the intestinal lining. Okay. Right, right. So we also, removal also consists of removing toxins in food, gastric irritants, mm-hmm. uh, chronic low-grade infections in the gut, food allergies, and then... Replace uh, actually has to do not with bacteria, but the stomach with the uh, enzymes, digestive enzymes, or stomach acid. Mm-hmm. Reinoculate, put good bacteria back, and then repair. Yes. Okay. And restore good health for the gut. Right. So, Russ, you would need a workup, and there's a reason you're not tolerating even a speck of them, as you say. Right now, you could have some bacterial yeah, I mean, overgrowth. For some people, issues. probiotics are dicey. You know. Yeah. And Can it's be. different. Strokes for different folks and different probiotics do different things. That's right. That's right. And one interesting probiotic formula about lactobacillus reuteri for the heart, for cholesterol, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Yep. So, you know, that is, uh, different lactobacillus species yep. are helpful for many things. I think reuteri is also helpful in women's health for vaginal flora, for UTI or yeast infection. I think it's yeast infection more than anything. <clears throat> but all these uh, probiotics, that's the deal made with the, uh, with the ecological system, <clears throat> pardon me, of the gut yep. and what's helpful. Okay. So it is different. Do we have a quick question before we go to break? Oh, okay. Quick question. My 20-year-old son has very stuffy allergies. I read your 18 supplements for allergy relief. He cut down on dairy products. So what are the three most important supplements to alleviate stuffy, sneezy allergies? Well, you know, I endeavored to show that there are a whole lot of options, and some, for some people some work, and some people they don't work, and so we give a lot of options. But yeah. I would say that what, if I were to rate <laughs> the three most important, I would say vitamin C, uh, probably quercetin is a big allergy fighter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe... Look at DAO as a gut-sealing thing, but that's more mm-hmm. for food allergies and for high histamine levels, right. histamine intolerance. Right. Uh, diamine oxidase. Diamine oxidase, yes, for histamine. Quercetin, and you could really up your dose of quercetin. You could take like six a day mm-hmm. if you're very It's a really congested. good allergy quencher. Quencher, and the vitamin C acts as a natural antihistamine. Mm-hmm. 
So those will be the three. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read the, you know, for those of you who want to look at the full list, look at the article. Because it's interesting, you know, green tea has some of those effects. Also, uh, sulforaphane, mm-hmm. uh, luteolin, which is something from celery. Hmm. Uh, those are helpful things. Uh, but, you know, there, it's, there's some surprises there. And things that we might not suspect are really helpful for finding yeah. allergies in that list. Interesting. All right. So, thank you, Yvonne. Best of luck to your son. And for, if there's a small child, then we might use uh, Dehis Jr. It's a mm. product for kids. It's a children's version of the adult Dehist yeah. product. Yeah. Made by um, Orthomolecular, I Orthomolecular, think. yeah. This is her 20-year-old son. Oh, he's big so enough. So you you're him. big enough. You don't need to take Junior. Dehist, right. Yeah. To, right, take the adult <laughs> version. Yeah. All right, let's pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. And uh, give us a preview of what we're going to be tackling in part two, Layla. Oh, I have AFib, but I don't feel it. Why do I have to treat it? Good question. That sounds like a dumb question, but no, it's actually a good question. It's actually a very Very fundamental question. Let's let's start next hour with that question, uh, or next segment. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman uh, with part one of our weekly Q&A with Layla. Radio program at AOL.com if you have any question that you want addressed on this forum. And we'll be back with part two. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.